I'm nice right now, man. I, I feel good. If you have a drink, would you please put it in the air? What's going on? Welcome, everybody. This is the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host with the most time on his hands, Tom Stipple FF. And with me, as always, is my mate over there in British Columbia, uh, Jacob Sanderson. Had a big time, big deal, big wig, top of the line performance earlier today already. He's here for a double shot. Uh, welcome, everyone watching, listening. Thanks to everyone who keeps coming in and tuning in every Friday for your end of the week extravaganza jacob it has been a whirlwind of a week i mean the nfl can't catch a break with news injuries horse shit and all all the extras how was your your matt kelly uh pod father conversation this afternoon man i had a lot of fun today man uh i was up at 7 a.m we we started at like 7 30 i mean there's so many elements of pre-show uh, in the Kelly experience, you know, you, you got to talk through the show. Then, then he does this thing where he goes live and you're talking, but it's not actually the podcast. And then, then you start the podcast. I mean, it was, we, we were talking football for a solid three hours. That was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, then I had to come in, polish up the DFS article, uh, and then, you know, mm-hmm. prep in and come and do this show. It's, uh, it's, it's been a big day for sure of, of talking football you know, I talked about on Twitter, I announced that after this week, stepping back a little bit from the football sphere to go and try to actually pass school. And uh, today is a big reason why, <laughs> but also, uh, you know, a great, a great reason to, to remind myself how much I love doing this because it's, it's been awesome talking, uh, talking ball with great folks. And, and certainly nothing I ever look forward to more this week than coming here with you uh, and, and Billy, who I know is, is with us in spirit today. Yeah, man, Billy's out there trying to, you know, get all PhD'd up and stuff. So he he had his, his some school stuff. You did this last year too. You took a break. Your schools, when when it when it got much and exams and everything like that. That that's what's key. I'm just not in school. Don't have kids. Um, I just have an adult life with no responsibilities and adult money that I like to spend on frivolous things. Look, um, I want to point out a couple things to kick off today because obviously, big stuff in the world happened all week again. And uh, me and the boys talked about it in private. And uh, if you're looking for that kind of material, we're not the spot. You know what? We're, we're going to keep it to, to the fantasy foosball. Um, you know, we're just straight dudes, straight up dudes. I just want to talk about talk about football. We're not uh, we're not going to be your political folks here. But we're here to have a good time and be here for a long time. Know what I mean? So if that's what you were thinking... It's not the spot, but there was a lot of football news today that I want to get to. Jacob, you brushed me up on some of it, 
right? Uh, Goddard got an extension. Didn't even hear about that and all the stuff. Khalil Mack, season-ending surgery. That's big for anyone playing the Bears the rest of the way. Amari Cooper's on COVID. Jared Goff is is out. Tim Boyle's going to start. Kamara is out. Same with two tackles. Chris Carson, neck surgery. That's not great for a running back. No. Uh, Tim Patrick signs an extension. Possibly bye-bye to Cortland Sutton. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, bye bye to Cortland Sutton. Yeah. Oh my and, God. I mean, if they if they sign Sutton after extending Patrick, my God, just kill me. Yeah. Um. Just just lots lots of news. Kyler Murray game time decision again. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, growth is so starting. ridiculous that what was it two weeks ago that both Kyler and Hopkins were supposedly game time decisions. I mean, how close to game time was DeAndre Hopkins really? I mean, he's still he's still getting ruled out two weeks later. He was a game time decision two weeks ago. Come on, Cliff. Uh, you know, Kyler, same thing. I, I don't think it's Kyler's an playing. To me, like unless Kyler is one hundred percent perfectly healthy, like why? Why? Um, you know, they're they're in plenty good shape in the playoff race with the Rams losing two in a row. They're even in better shape in the division right now. They get a buy after this. Just let Kyler and Hopkins rest. Take the buy. They get to come off the buy with both those guys back, maybe even Evans too, and, and do the stretch run. To me, it's just not worth the risk at all. I, I think it's Colt McCoy or or, or maybe even Straveler season this week. Yeah, it's going to be gross for everyone in AZ. But hey, Connor will probably put up a you know top sixteen performance again. Oh yeah, Connor season's back. Uh, anything else you want? I want to talk about Cam Newton in Carolina. It's so fitting yeah. that it's against Ron Rivera. Somehow, I still think the NFL is scripted like the WWE. I know hey? uh, it, it. It has to be the stuff that just seems to come in week to week. It's getting a little bit too much. They're exposing themselves. And they're getting caught in 4K uh, writing the <laughs> scripts here. It's it's getting pretty obvious. Oh, Cam Newton just happens to come back off the couch eating cereal, <laughs> scores two touchdowns, and gets his first start back in Carolina against Ron Rivera. It's too much. Oh, it's awesome. It's too much. But I want to talk about Cam Newton because I want to talk about how it's going to go for DJ Moore. People say that, well, well, Cam Newton couldn't throw last year, and maybe. Well, that offense maybe wasn't for Cam Newton, right? The weapons definitely weren't the same. But McCaffrey is healthy, and we saw the offense at the start of the year with Darnold, who everyone but me agrees is like the worst quarterback in history. Uh, and for a four-game stretch, that offense was popping. So I don't think there's any way Cam Newton can be worse than Walker, who is terrible. I've never seen I've actually never seen a quarterback whip a screen pass to a wide receiver at 150 <laughs> miles an hour and 20 feet wide before in my life. <laughs> It's a screen pass, buddy. Relax. So do, do you think it can get oh, worse yeah. from here? Because I don't no. think with that offense is healthy that it can get worse. And the one deep-ish deep ball Cam Newton threw to DJ Moore, not only was it on target, but it took a guy absolutely pass interferencing with Moore, who still almost caught it, to, to stop it. So do you think that there might be some deep ball redemption for Moore? How do you see the offense going? Because for me, it's all steam ahead. Yeah, I mean, Cam Newton historically has been a good passer down the field, and he's historically has been a better passer the further down the field you go. Uh, somewhat similar to Olamar Jackson in that respect, where he's actually more accurate on the deep throws sometimes than on the short throws. And last year, this was the most pronounced. He, he was actually, uh, I believe, number one in the NFL on, on his accuracy rating throwing deep down the field and, and was terrible uh, in the short areas of the field. Uh, that's Cam Newton. So I think with DJ Moore, 
he's going to have more opportunities to win deep with Cam. Uh, and I mean, can it get worse? It, it literally can't get worse. I mean, he's basically been unstartable for a month after like the first month of the I season, know. he was a borderline wide receiver one overall candidate to a guy that's absolutely tanking your lineup seemingly each and every week. So it can't get worse. With still more I, than seven targets, like seven targets a game. It's yeah. I do think the target share comes down a little bit with McCaffrey uh, just because he commands such a presence in that offense uh, you know, that it's going to be hard for Moore to put up like a 30% level target share like he was seeing without him. I think he comes back down to the 25% range. But if it makes the offense more efficient, if it makes his targets more efficient, they'll take that trade off every single day of the week. Uh, I think Moore, let, let's just say like, let's start off conservatively and let's at least put Moore back into the ranks of the wide receiver twos. And then, you know, maybe if things go well, we can start to see that wide receiver one season once again. But at the very least, I'm, I'm significantly more comfortable starting him in my lineup this week than I was at any point in the last month. That's for sure. I think it's the touchdowns that'll go up for me because Cam's not afraid to chuck it in the end zone. Mm-hmm. And people are going to have to focus on him in the red zone, especially with McCaffrey back. But when McCaffrey was healthy, he was still seeing 10 to 12 targets uh, a game before he went out in the Houston game. And then all things uh, went to shit for him after Dallas, which was a two touchdown game, which yeah, yeah, I would huge love game to see again. Dallas. Ugh, I just want to I see that we, one more time. McCaffrey's interesting too. What is your take on that? Because I've seen some takes that, you know, Cam Newton's going to be bad, bad news for Christian McCaffrey. And I, I have a bit of a counter to that. So I'd love to hear what you take. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, ah, oh, he did touchdowns and bro, they were vultured. I don't care. I mean, like he threw the one touchdown. Okay, we want our receivers to catch touchdowns. That's whatever. McCaffrey's not going to score 80% of the touchdowns. But yeah. he played 59% of the snaps and was the RB2 or 3 on the week. Right? Yeah, he still caught 10 passes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not worried about Christian McCaffrey at all. If anything, no. it's it's full steam ahead yeah, for Christian the, McCaffrey. The only, because thing, ca- the only thing that could stop Christian McCaffrey is on our injury. As far as yeah, I'm concerned. Like he, it's not even in the realm of possibilities for me. I'm not letting the, it manifest. No. No, he's the cheat code, man. Like last week I, I wrote about McCaffrey in my DFS article and just talked about what an absolute missed opportunity it was at generational wealth that, you know, we only got the 26 points we did at just 4% ownership last week. Right. Because he could have easily had, like he was two, not even like plays, but he was two decisions away from having 40 points. Right. If, if they don't overturn his first touchdown, and if then the one where he gets down to the five, they put Chuba in and he scores, right? If he gets that five-yard touchdown, that's five yards, gets into the 100-yard bonus, another touchdown, don't overturn the other one. All of a sudden, he's at 41 DraftKings points. He breaks the slate open. You know, Christian McCaffrey can't be owned enough this week. I'm just locked by him with my lives. I'm daring the field. I'm daring the field to play him appropriately at 8,900. And we'll talk about that more mm-hmm. on tomorrow's show, No Free Squares. But that's right. with McCaffrey... Like he is the RB one uh, going forward for the rest of the season in dynasty. You know, I'm a little bit more reserved just because of the, the injury fear. I, I I'm, I'm still putting Taylor as my RB one in dynasty, but, in, but every week the McCaffrey is active and healthy. He is the RB one. He is seen now in those, these two games, right? First game, he saw 29 snaps. He saw 19 touches. Second game, 41 snaps. 23 touches like the majority of the time that he's on the field he touches the football and if they play a competitive game this week where he can't just come out in the fourth quarter because they've amassed this huge lead like 
he, he could easily put up 40. He could put up 50 if he starts scoring dang touchdowns. And the Cam thing is ridiculous. I've seen this in-out split uh, circulated on my timeline. Well, one of the two years that Cam was his quarterback was his rookie year, 2017, when he was yes. getting out carried by Jonathan Stewart. Like, what possible value does that sample still hold? I mean, come on. So let's look at People just are holding on to it. Right, let's look at 2018 when he was the RB2 overall. He put up 385 fantasy points. That would blow anybody else out of the water aside from Henry who's already hurting out for the year. So, yeah, you're firing up Christian McCaffrey every single week as the overall RB1, overall player one fantasy as far as I'm concerned while he's healthy. I could not believe I saw a take, an actual take that someone took seriously that he's like a, a high volatility running back too the rest of the season and i wanted to fall over i couldn't <laughs> I, po- I posted it in the chat in our, <laughs> in our slack because i just couldn't oh, believe that God. i saw it I-, I can't believe that i saw there was another one too where sell him for anything you can like his best days are behind him cam's back i'm just like you guys have such a short-term memory he doesn't even need touchdowns. He's Christian McCaffrey. I know. He's unbelievable. He's <laughs> unbelievable. And he did he it with PJ Walker. He did it with PJ XFL Walker. Like, <laughs> yeah. you should be all systems go. And I can't believe that we even have to talk about that. I can't believe that it even has to be mentioned that Christian McCaffrey, you play him every week. Like, we hit that point. And I just want to call my shot right now because we don't get another show that I'm on with you uh, now. We'll do it next week. Next, next week, I'm staying on for for the show with uh, with our special guest. It'll be it'll be after the game, and we're going to announce that special guest uh, at, towards the end here, because to make you sit through it. But um, Dante Foreman's going to score a touchdown this week. Oh please, Dante so, Foreman man. is going to score this seventeen week. weeks. <laughs> I I have been waiting <laughs> since 2019 when our first dynasty league kicked off. And I drafted Dante Foreman, and I said, what, he's going to come back? He's going to be the lead back in Houston. I believed then, and I believe that he can be a good back, Gus Edwards style in the league right now. It is a revenge game. The team that gave up. Yes, he's going to score this week, and I said when he does, I'm buying his jersey. And I'll buy his jersey in whatever team he scores on. It's going to happen. It's going to be this week because I really need him bad. And he easily looks like the best running back on the roster. Like it doesn't oh, even easily. Look and McNichols close. is ruled out, right? McNichols is oh, ruled out. So all they don't have their pass game back. So all it's just him and AP. Go. I mean, I'm sure that they're. I'm sure they're going to promote some person we've never heard of off the practice squad. Uh, like a, I don't know, Makai Sargent or whatever. But you know, who, who's going <laughs> to have the pass game back? I, I have no idea, right? So I think it's. I think it's Foreman. I we'll think see. it's Foreman. Could be. I think he's a Could smash be. play this week. I'm going to call it. He's going to be a top 20 running back this week. You can call it. Dr. Oh, Foreman, I, top yeah, 20 running back. Houston. Let's go. Yeah, Let's go. exactly. It's it's all systems go. Um, Anything else that you can think of? Uh, yeah. The, uh, obviously. Pat, the Patrick signing, I think, is just like the best news possible for everybody. Uh, it's yep. great news for Tim Patrick. Like nothing more you love to see than a guy who's undrafted, floated around, gets his opportunity, crushes it, Get that and bet. earns himself eighteen and a half million guaranteed. Like what a what an awesome story that is. First of all, right? Yeah, and then get the bag. You got to get the bag. So congrats to Tim Patrick. That's fantastic. And then for fantasy, you know, I think it's fantastic, right? Like the. This has been such a clusterfuck in Denver because they have way too many good weapons and no quarterback to throw to them all. 
I mean, they have Judy and Sutton and Patrick. They had Hamler, Fant, Albert Okwebenon. They got all these dudes and, and nothing to, to distribute the ball to. I mean, Patrick's a perfect complimentary receiver. We, we know who he is. He's a guy who's going to get between 16 8%, 18% of the targets. Really yeah. great contested situations. You know, he's a guy that can coexist with Judy doing his thing and Fant doing his thing and Patrick being a really meaningful part of that offense. I think it's a great decision by Denver. You know, Sutton's going to command more money than Patrick on the open market. And if Denver had paid Sutton, like you're not allocating resources responsibly because we've seen recently there's just not enough ball to go around between Sutton and Judy and Patrick and, and Fant. And so, I, I mean, maybe they will re-sign Cortland Sutton. I mean, I've Benjamin Albright saying not. that they still want to, but I, I don't think they're going to. I, I think that this signing to me says, you know, we're going to we're going to take the bird in the hand. We're gonna take them. We're gonna take the savings because with the role in this offense that we need out of our out of our uh, receiver, Patrick can fill that. Uh, you know, we're gonna get Hamler back next year, Judy, Fant, etc. And hopefully Sutton ends up in greener pastures because we've seen, you know, in his second year, he was a 26% target share guy. While Judy was out, he was a 26% target share guy. Corlin Sutton's yep. capable of being an alpha wide receiver. Uh, I think we're gonna get to see that somewhere somewhere else. Uh, in in 2022, and of course, great for Judy and for Fan. You know, they don't they, they lose potential target competition with Sutton, and get a really nice complimentary player locked up. Patrick, you know, awesome, and and great news for whoever the next Denver Broncos quarterback is. I think this move screams that they're keeping Bridgewater too. Oh God, I, I hope do. not. I think it is because the offense with Bridgewater. Yeah, well, hey, you want to get into that debate? I don't even. I never want my quarterback to make a tackle. I never want that to happen. I don't care. Let him score. Just get the ball back and score really fast. Like, I never want to have my quarterback Cam Newton his arm on a friggin' tackle on a pick or a fall. Unless it's to end the game in like the playoffs, you make that tackle. But like week ten to make that? No, I'm no, absolutely not. He's like, I'm not giving my job to Drew Locke. There's no way. It was Drew a business Locke put decision. Put on for a city, man. He put on for a city. <laughs> What, what did Teddy uh, ever put on for, man? What did he put on for? Gloves. Um. Uh. Yeah. I mean, gloves. do you want to talk on safety gloves? You yeah, man. Dallas Goddard. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah he got. Let's, he got let's talk Goddard because you and I disagree bag. on Goddard. Yeah, Dallas Goddard so, got a big old bag of cash. So you know, goes without fast. saying, as we did with Patrick. Good for him. He secured the yep. bag. Uh, he got, uh, I think, I don't know what the guaranteed is, but I think that the, the max deal is like a cool 50 mil. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, just a little bit under, I think, what Mark Andrews received. So awesome for Dallas Goddard. He's been balling this year, man. Like since since the Ertz, move, uh, since the Ertz trade, you know, Goddard's taken over as the full-time tight end. He's number one in the entire NFL among tight ends, yards per route run, 2.66. That's an elite number. Even among wide receivers, that's an elite number. And then you got him up here, really high ADOT for a tight end, creating explosive plays down the field. Uh, he's seen 24% targets on his routes. That's really what you want to see for a tight end. Uh, you know, just a little bit below the mark that we tend to see out of a Kelsey, a Kittle, a Waller, and Andrews. So he, he's there for me. I mean, there's there's not that many tight ends that matter in Dynasty. I, I think that, that Goddard is in that group right now. It's, it's a group of like nine to 10 guys, depending on how many you yeah. include. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's at the low end of that group with, I think, a chance to elevate, depending on what happens, you know, with the quarterback situation, because he's been earning elite target shares recently. They've just been throwing the ball a lot less. I like what they're building, though. I, I like that they have Goddard locked up long term. Devontae Smith, of course, going to be there for a long time. Uh, I hope that they build around 
Hurts that that make they make this the offense with him and Goddard and Smith, and they build up in the trenches with those three first round picks. They need a lot of help with an aging D line and aging O line. Uh, I like what they're building here in the skill position group. So, well, the team, the team, the offense is disgusting. Like it's sick. It can be sick. We just got to hope Sirianni knows what he has. I think that's like the yeah. biggest thing. Uh, or just get out because I don't want to see that that offense ruined in three years. But you know, I, I just can't. So when you look at the numbers, right, the yards per route run and the targets and that, that's all fine and well. But I want to see it hit before I really buy in. So you think you're? I think at tight end you're right. There's ten guys that matter. But I think I've hit the point where if you're not in that five range, I don't really. I'm like I'm not going to seek you out as a trade option. Like I've even moved Fant way down. Like I've moved, I've moved a lot of these guys way down because if you're not actually putting up that production and how, or have a path to it, I don't, I'm not going to buy it. So if you have Goddard, you obviously are happy that it, at least it looks secure in that role yeah, for the next couple I mean, of years, big, but I, big, I'm not actively seeking him out. I think that that's, there's, I think that should be, there should be a distinction in that the difference between seeking him out and then being happy that you have him already. Um, in my opinion anyway. Yeah, I think the I mean the best time to buy Goddard if you were going to in Dynasty was, you know, in that that window right before the season started to the first couple weeks of the season when he was splitting with Ertz, right? It looked like he wasn't even going to be a top 12 guy this year. His stock has gone up dramatically since then, right? He's gone up dramatically for this season. He doesn't have to share time with Zach Ertz anymore. Now all of a sudden he gets a big contract extension. Right now now you're at a spot where if you're buying, you're you're purchasing all of the risk that he doesn't yeah, elevate yeah. up to that next status. So right now, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'd have got right around that tight end eight, tight end nine kind of range. I, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it take to buy Goddard. Like you might have to give a late one right now. And I wouldn't want to do that at all. So I think, yeah, you know, if you yeah. have Goddard, you're happy. It's, it's hard to say you should sell high on a tight end because, you know, who's your backup tight end? Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like, like I, I have gone around a couple teams and I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm not trying to move him. I'm like, man, I, I got to play his ass. So um, I need him. <laughs> yeah, man. I need those points. So I, I'm happy with, with this extension. And certainly if you, if you did buy in, you know, you could have got him for maybe even just like a late two or something early in the season. If, if you're able to get in at that point, you know, you're thrilled right now. I think it's unlock some upside for you. Here we go. Yeah. I think that that's, that's the thing. I think Fant, uh, I think, would you trade Fant for Goddard right now? No, but interestingly, I mean, I think they both got good news today, right? But uh, yeah, I, I would prefer. I, agree. Fant. I, did, I was just curious. I'd prefer Fant just because of that athletic upside. Like, I, I think that he's a guy who can who can create more explosive plays on less volume. Uh, he was the better prospect. He's a, he's a lot younger of a player. Like Goddard's already twenty six. I, I think he is who he is as a player. You're just relying on the situation to evolve around him. Uh, Noah Fant, I believe, is still only like twenty three years old. So I think there's a lot more room to grow with Noah Fant. Yeah. He's already he's already tied a career high in touchdowns. His yard per catch is down. His yard per target is way down, but he's only twenty catches behind what he had all of last year. Hmm. I mean, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how he finishes the year, but people are just looking down on him. So that's why I actually thought there might be a little bit of variance. Yeah. We got a comment here, not a question, but a comment. It's from Depesh Patel. Mm-hmm. Um, made a trade for J.K. Dobbins and um, Miles Sanders by giving away Pittman and Ayuk. Hopefully, the Eagles' yeah. new commitment to the run pays off. I'm assuming uh, this, this is a dynasty trade because if it's redraft, like yes. why, why is Dobbins in the trade, right? 
Right. So this this is obviously, I think, a dynasty trade. Now, this kind of goes against uh, mm-hmm. our usual process of trading these wide receivers who are good and young for these running backs. But do the names of Dobbins and Sanders mm-hmm. tilt this in a direction that like you can vibe with? Obviously, context matters for every team and everyone's league settings, et cetera, et cetera. But Dobbins coming off an injury, Sanders about to get reinstated. He's right, new commitment to the run. But Pittman is balling at a wide receiver one level, and you obviously adore Ayuk more than most human beings. Uh, is this in your realm here, or, or are, you, are you not okay with it? I think it's a pretty even trade. Um, you know, I'd probably break this down with Pittman and Dobbins and then with Ayuk and Sanders. I think on the, you know, the Pittman side, it's interesting – you know, he was not a prospect I particularly loved. I, I didn't think he showed a whole ton in his rookie year, but he maintained, you know, the ability to have opportunity this year, and he's really ran with it. You know, I, I think it's a little overstated just how incredible he's been this year. Uh, they haven't had a bye week yet. He's been fully healthy. Uh, he's caught some deep ones. And so, you know, he's he's wide receiver seven overall. He's still wide receiver 18 in points per game, right? So he's been a middle-of-the-pack wide receiver two for the most part with no one else around in Indy, right? Like Hilton has been injured the entire year. Otherwise it's just Zach Pascal. I, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm sold on Pittman elevating to wide receiver one status in, in terms of fantasy, but I am definitely sold that he's a really, really good player. And he's probably the wide receiver one for the Colts for the foreseeable future, uh, barring them making a massive splash signing. I think I probably still slightly rather have Dobbins, just because I, I think if you're not at that elite, elite level, and, and I don't know that Pittman is, I'd probably still rather have you know the young running back just because of that scarcity. And I think Dobbins is the safest of the injured running backs right now. I mean, we've seen plenty of running backs come off a torn ACL. It's not nothing, but yeah. I, I fear that less than like the Achilles or even less than, than ETN's broken foot. He doesn't have a Robinson or a Henderson to deal with. I mean, the only other really competent running back in this backfield is Gus Edwards, who also tore his ACL. So right, not, and is right. a bigger, less athletic runner, so that could affect him yeah. maybe a little bit more than than it would Dobbins. So I, I would go with Dobbins slightly, but then I would also probably slightly prefer Ayuk Sanders. I mean, I, oh, I'm torn with Sanders, man. He's he's really fallen in value, and I'm buying, but I'm only buying low. He's he's in quite a fragile spot right now. I, I think we're going to see his value not be what it is now in a month. I just don't entirely know what direction. Like it's, it's, it's either he's going to walk back <laughs> in and he's going to be like, he's hanging in his, in by a thread right now. And either he comes back in and he's just fully like three way committed, not getting any yeah. valuable touches indiscernible yeah. from Jordan Howard, in which case, you know, he falls off the dynasty radar entirely, or he comes out and he's, you know, not, not doesn't have to be the workhorse, but just the clear lead back 60, 65% gets all these touches in this new run based offense. He's a high end running back too. And all of a sudden he recovers a lot of his value. I don't know which one I, I'm honestly 50, 50. Um, I think I, you're splitting hairs safe. on this one. It's tough. It's, it's I, tough. I would slightly prefer the Pittman Ayuk side. I think it's the safer side from a value perspective, but I, I, I understand that the idea on the other side, especially if you have a lot of wide receivers to burn. If these running backs hit, I think he's obviously run away with the deal. Yeah. But it's always tough. Obviously, you're tugging at my heartstrings with the uh, the J.K. Dobbins uh, Depeche. I mean, I'll always go with that for me personally. I mean, did you know the Ravens were still like the number one team running the football going into last week with yeah Lev Bell, <laughs> yeah Lev Bell, 
uh, I can't hear uh, the Williams, Freeman, and Latavius Murray. Uh, like yeah. getting Dobbins back, this team is going to be unworldly next I'm year. I'm bummed um, about Lev Bell, by the way. Like he's obviously super washed now, so I'm not like saying the Ravens were wrong to cut him. They're probably wrong to ever play too. him. But like he was pissed, man. That just it's just sad. Like he was such a great player for the Steelers for so many years. I mean, he was the dude in fantasy. It wasn't even a question for a couple of years. You get the number if you get the 101 pick in your fantasy draft, you're, you're putting Levy on Bell on your roster. I mean, man, he held out and just was never ever the same dude. Like just yeah, re- really sad hey, that he, like, the career ended this way. He gave up his career so other running backs could get paid. Right, like, yeah, honestly. and you know he was a martyr, right? Yeah. So, shout out to him. But he it also worked. It worked for he everyone. Ruined, else, not for him, he ruined. He uh, ruined the Ravens' season too many times for me to care that much. So, <laughs> see you, Lev. You were a good personality in Baltimore, but you just weren't the same, homie. Uh, maybe oh, no. I was hoping you come back in the practice squad, but he changed all of his info and he looks absolutely pissed. Look, we've already been going for almost a half hour. Kind of wild. Uh, we don't normally spend that much time on news, but some of it broke today, so we felt yeah, it's been a big week. necessary. Yeah, we're going to take a second. When we come back, we're going to get to the heart of the show before we head on out of here, and that's expectations versus reality. Uh, what we were expecting, what we got, and how we got here. Uh, sit tight. We're going to be back in just a second. Don't touch that dial. Look, if you're like most dynasty fantasy football players, you're an absolute sociopath when it comes to your process. You worry about every detail, every number, every ranking. You move them up and down as news breaks in and out, and then the draft hits and comes through and washes all of your work away, and you rebuild. Because that's what we do, and we just like to put ourselves through pain and misery, depression, and that's why we hold on to day three wide receivers for four years on our dynasty rosters, Colin Johnson, and and for some people, and and Gabe Davis, uh, that's your future buddy, and you just you know you're hoping and you're praying constantly, but it doesn't always work out for you. It actually very rarely ever works out for you, which is why we victory lap so hard and explain away new narratives to make ourselves feel better. Uh, so, Jacob, obviously a lot of things were expected in fantasy football this year, and I feel like one of those things, we had high expectations for running backs. This was the year of the running back. The year of the running backs were going to be great again. Robust. 15 guys that could all go out and be top-tier guys. And then what happened? Some injuries happened. Well, let's talk about that. Barkley, he's been unusable pretty much all year thanks to injury. And that team, Dobbins out, Gus gone, ETN gone, Akers gone, uh, no RB stud, Chase Edmonds. Well, he's gone now. He, he was fighting Connor as well. Uh, lots of injury. The, uh, Derek Henry, he's gone. McCaffrey's been gone all year. Aaron Jones is now gone and has also been almost unplayable aside from one week. Um expectations where running backs were going to carry the way the reality has been wide receivers have far and away dominated the fantasy landscape even the tight ends are down kittle was hurt waller's been down kelsey is the tight end one but it's been kind of a weird journey wide receivers took it over how did we get to where we are right now 
and what are you expecting for this moving forward? Man, it's been such a weird year scoring-wise. I mean, I, I talked about this with, with Matt this morning. We were talking about, okay, like what was you know the optimal draft strategy this year? You know, was it running back, running back, hero RB, zero RB? And it's so hard to say because, like, as a person, you know, I, I was usually drafting either hero RB or zero RB styles. So much of what I've wanted out of it has come true, you know, in a sense that most of these early running backs are kind of disappointed or hurt. The only one who's over 20 points per game right now is Jonathan Taylor. But then you look over to those early round wide receivers and you see a lot of disappointment also. Like, you know, the only one among the, the top two round wide receivers who's over 20 points per game is Tyreek Hill, right? So you, it's mm-hmm. like you get the one guy in Hill, the one guy in Taylor. Otherwise, you look around at some of these running backs, you know, some of them in the abject disasters, right? Either due to injury or, or a guy like a Gibson who's really, really fallen off. But then there's the guys, you know, it's like a, you know, like Zeke, for instance, like, okay, he's been fine. You know, Mixon, okay, he's been fine. Right. Then you look at the points per game, it's like 17, 18, like in most years, it's not a big difference maker. But then you look over the wide receivers, it's kind of the same thing, right? It's like Diggs, he's been fine. I mean, he had a huge game this week, but he was frankly less than fine. He had a massive game to kind of get him back into fine territory. Yep. Adams, yep. you know, he's been good. Not Nothing like last year, though, right? And then right. even in the second round, you know, Jefferson, Brown, Metcalf, you know, you've seen flashes of brilliance and big games, but yep. it's been inconsistent. So it's a weird AJ Brown has been crushing. I mean, it's been weird. Like, I mean, two weeks ago, he was the wide receiver one overall week before that he was the wide receiver three overall, you know, and then, uh, then it's then down games. It's been up and down. I I think it, the, the guys really like the three league winners so far this year and in redraft at least, or I guess any seasonal format have been like, in my opinion, cop chase Debo. Right, which are all like middle round wide receivers. I mean, you had Cop yep. was going three four turn, Chase was going originally late four. Then after people thought he couldn't catch a ball, he was even falling to the sixth round. Yeah, um, yeah. and and Debo, you know, sixth round, seventh round. So no matter what your strategy was, you could get to these guys, right? Like if you were going zero RB, you're probably draft these guys. If you were going hero RB, you were draft these guys. If you're going running back, running back, running back, you were drafting these guys. It was kind of just to pick the best players year. I think going right. forward, you know, you you the number one spot you'd want to be going forward is if you are somehow still in the playoff mix with Christian McCaffrey on your team. Like that's number one, right? Like that's I think the best spot to possibly be in because he looks like he's going to pick up right where Henry left off as the guy who's lapping yeah. the field. It's just if yeah. you had him this whole time, you might be two and eight, and then yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah. And then this, the next best spot to be is probably, you know, one of those guys that were pounding the wide receivers early because we've at least seen, you know, even if it hasn't been consistent, we've seen out of digs recently. We saw it at Adams in the game against Cincinnati. We've seen it a few times at a Hill. You know, we've even seen it out of Brown, out of Metcalf, out of Jefferson, that the, there's this capacity for these 30, 40 point games that we're just not seeing out of these running backs this year. Right. Like with the exception of Taylor, even Najee Harris, like he's been solid, but he's been solid in the sense that he just gets you 20 every week, which is great. But he's he's not like providing explosive plays. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, he, he's the most celebrated running back ever in the history for keeping his job. But like he's, yeah. he's getting 20 <laughs> points most weeks, which is fine. But, he, you know, he's still 17 points per game. It's fine. It's just uh, it's been a really weird year. The scoring has been down, even though 
more teams are scoring overall in the NFL, it's been a very, very strange year for fantasy where there's just not that many people in the first few rounds of drafts of any position really separating themselves. Yeah, the whole expectations versus reality for me on this whole take is that it has been the best drafting fantasy players are the most ahead, right? And mm -hmm. like the guys, the, the rounds four through nine are what are winning leagues right now. And I think what you're seeing is a first half of the season that is actually going to look completely different to the second half. I think the stars are going to come out in the second half. I think the youth is going to drop. I think it'll be a bit of a reverse, where it's usually the stars are robust in the first half, and then in the back half, the rookies break out. I think we're in line for a turn in that case, so it'll be very interesting. All right, this next one, this one's going to be close to your heart. A.J. Brown, expectations into this season was potentially the wide receiver one. You know, a top five guy locked and loaded every week. The reality is he has not been. And through injury, the team system, Derrick Henry being unstoppable through the first half of the year, the expectations for A.J. Brown were for him to take a giant leap forward, even from where he was last year to this year. But the reality was, is he has been disappointing like so many others. But I feel like his have, he, he's gut checked fantasy players, maybe more than some other ones. It's like the first time you go and see Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, and you think it's going to be badass. And then it starts off badass. And then you get hit with Jar Jar Banks for the next hour and a bit. And all of a sudden, it's not anymore. Uh, where do you think we, how, how did we get to where we are with AJ Brown right now? And what are your expectations going forward in the least biased way possible? Man, I mean, I, I think people are just like, I, I, I think AJ Brown is the one player in fantasy football people just overreact to the most, like regardless. Like it, he'll have a massive week. He's a wide receiver one overall. He'll have a terrible week. People are, are saying to drop him. I, I mean, there's no season, I think, that's a better representation or a better capsulation of just focusing on the whole versus the week to week fluctuations and AJ Brown's this year, you know, it's, it's been a very, very weird year in the sense that, you know, he has the one game on his record that he left like immediately. Right. And I think on like the third play of the game, he left with a hamstring injury. Indeed, you know, and then he has yep. the game against Seattle, right. Where he gets really great usage, but he drops a bunch of passes then comes back as the two massive games against Kansas city and against Indianapolis, including Indianapolis week where he's the wide receiver one overall. You know, and then it's just such a mix and match, right? The Rams game, great usage, doesn't amount to anything. And then last week doesn't get the usage, doesn't get the anything, right? Big old bust. I, I think, I mean, if you look, zoom out, like everything's fine. He's 31% targets per route run. That's sixth in the NFL. It's the highest of his mark by a very wide margin. He was 27% each of his first years, all up to 31% this year. Uh, you yep. know, you, you go back previous to this last week, he had four consecutive games over 30% target share. Uh, he's going to be volatile because this offense right now is just starved for playmakers. It's, it's a, it's a bit of the same problem that Kyle Pitts is seeing in Atlanta where there's only yes. one guy you can make a play. Uh, I wasn't as concerned when they lost Henry initially, because at least I thought with Julio and AJ counterbalancing each other, Ugh. that, that provided something for, for an offense to deal with. 
But now without Julio either, I mean, it's it's solely AJ. I, I think what we're going to see is it's going to really depend on, on the matchup. I mean, this week against Houston, I think he's going to absolutely smash. Uh, there's no one on Houston that can guard him. I don't care what they try to do to take him away. They're the Texans. They don't have anyone that can take him away. Uh, I think he's going to have an absolute field day, right? Because he's going to get to experience the best parts of being the only uh, guy on the field against the Texans because Tannehill's going to throw to him repeatedly. He's their only playmaker. There's no one that's going to guard him. Right. I think he's going to be the wide receiver one overall in this entire week. I, I really do. That being said, he's going to have this game. People are going to you know, be totally at ease with him again. And I'm sure that at some point they're going to face some other team that has a really great corner. Like we saw last week with Lattimore, you know, we're going to see him get well, New England's more. up in week 12. So right. When he gets, okay, exactly. So we're going to just ride this roller coaster again. He's going to be the wide receiver one overall this week against Houston. And then he's going to put up six points against new England. And then we're going to have the same conversation all over again. Uh, like that from a dynasty perspective, the underlying usage is fantastic. I don't think there's any reason to worry about AJ Brown's talent. Uh, I think that, for the rest of this year, it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster. I think that people were just expecting him to have the real, real breakout, and it doesn't feel like it's happened. So last year, he did finish as the wide receiver 12 in PPR leagues and even better in state. He's always been better in standard than, yeah. than PPR because he's he hasn't had more than 70 catches in a season. He's never had 1,100 yards, but he scores touchdowns because of how efficient that offense is. So I think what people are seeing are now this player who's 24, going to be turning 25, three years into the league. This year it looks like he, he'll have a hard time cracking that high wide receiver two overall at the end of the year. And a lot of people don't play the PPR game or the, the points per game you know, side of fantasy football. They see the total points. I think that's why they're going to see the total letdown I know you hate moving guys for bad seasons, but I think most people would find it hard to keep them in that top three for wide receivers in dynasty right now. Again, Fine he has me. the size. He has Fine the size. All, all he has the speed. Exposure. Right. But at what point do you see this guy who probably needs more than 106 targets, right? He would need more than that. To, to be to finish as the number one unless he gets 20 touchdowns where where's the break for you like when are you if, well, if the, so if this year you count there. it as a wash right so if no, you count because, this because year i don't as a wash. care about i don't care what, what his fantasy points are I, I just care about his i just care about what type of usage he's generating like the same way i don't care about dj Moore. like i i haven't moved dj Moore down in the last month because he's been basically unplayable but he's still earning 28 percent of the targets it's just that his right. quarterback is fucking ass Right. But like in terms of the things that, that, that more can control, he's controlling them effectively. He's still performing like a wide receiver one. Yeah. Like if, if we were sitting here and AJ Brown was at 22% target share on the year, like I, I'm not absolutely moving him down. That would legitimately concern me, but like he's, he's not, his target share is actually up this year. He's, I mean, he's 31% targets per route. That's mm-hmm. absolutely elite. He's over 30%. I, I've seen nothing from him this year that suggests, you know, any sort of decline. So yeah, I mean, I think that, that there's legit, the, the concern to me on AJ Brown, if there is one, um, I guess there'd be, I guess there'd be two reasons. I think one, one I think is more legitimate, which is the knees. Um, you know, he's had two knee surgeries. That's not great. Uh, we've seen with wide receivers, especially ones that play such a physical style, that yep. the age curve is not a gradual one, right? Like usually we see that these wide receivers, they don't actually give you that much of a warning before the age declines. 
If anyone wants to read one of the greatest pieces of fantasy football content, frankly, ever by Adam Harstad, it's called You're Thinking About Aging Wrong. And he has this incredible metaphor uh, where he says people think, you know, the aging curve as a curve, right? You, you start um, as a rookie and then you get gradually better and gradually better. And then you hit your peak and then you get gradually worse, gradually worse, gradually worse. And when you model it on aggregate between all the players, that's what it actually looks like. But yes. for each individual player, it's much more like this, where you get gradually better, gradually better, reach your peak, and then you basically just continue at a peak and then drop pretty much off the face of the earth. Uh, and <laughs> the way yeah. he models this is essentially, you know, what if you had a deal with with the devil, essentially, where <laughs> for every year, you know, that you play, you have zero decline in skill, in athletic ability whatsoever. But each year you have to draw uh, a ball out of a hundred and for each and if you draw a black ball then all of your skills immediately disintegrate and each year the number of black balls out of the hundred increases uh, and it doubles and so each year you're more likely to all of a sudden disintegrate but if you don't disintegrate entirely then you stay the same and that's essentially how it works in in football more than this gradual curve so my concern for brown in a couple of years if everything is going swimmingly and Brown is a wide receiver one, that's when I'm going to try and get out early because the knees I think are legitimately scary to me. The concern I, that I, the concern that I don't have, like the fantasy points, just like not even a real concern to me because the target share is so good. And and I think a lot of this is just variance and just the way it's happened this season is that, that if you just flatten Brown's points out, I don't think anyone would care. It's just that like the best points have all come in these big spikes and then it's really bad. and, And that just, it creates turbulence for people. The other concern people have, and it's, I guess a valid one-ish, is just this offense, right? Like he can post, like last year, you know, he can post 27% target share and only ends up being 105 targets because they don't pass the ball. Um, you know, I think that's somewhat of a concern. I'm interested to see how this evolves over the course of the rest of the year without Henry. You know, I thought they would pass more without Henry. They've had two very weird games. The first game without Henry, they they started the game with a defensive touchdown and then another interception on the two-yard line, and immediately they're up 14 points. They never had the ball. And then you know, they get another turnover inside the 20 to start the game against New Orleans. They're up by 14 immediately. Like, what, what are we going to see in a game when they actually fall behind? What are we going to see in a game? It's just not weird. Like, even this week, well, that's are they going to go and throw too. more? We'll, we'll see. And I do think eventually, post-Eric Henry, they're going to have to rebrand themselves with a new identity on offense. And, and I think that that's when we'll see, you know, a higher ceiling with Brown. So that's not a big concern to me. The knees are – the production this year is like of no concern to me. I, I think people should just try to focus more on the underlying and, and, and stick with it. Uh, you know, if, if you want an asset that's, if, if AJ Brown tilts you, like I think there's plenty of people at this point that, that feel the way that I do. I, I don't think he's a hard asset to move. If you're going to find yourself tilted by AJ Brown every week that he, you know, pulls up lame uh, and goes <laughs> on the sidelines of the medical tent and, and returns 15 minutes later, like if that's going to send you into a conniption, I I'd urge you to just get out of the AJ Brown business. Heart, my heart stops every time. My heart stops every time that yeah, he's, he's like, he's out, out and he's coming back. He's out and he's oh, coming yeah. back in just when I thought I was out. They <laughs> pulled me back in. Look, uh, one more player I really want to hammer home in expectations versus reality. Uh, we're almost at 50 minutes ish. We're going to get our picks in and we're going to get out of here. But the expectations for Kyler Murray this year mm-hmm. were the quarterback number one uh and we know that yes he's been hurt 
and he was hurt last year. So this is looking like it is a problem. And I know injury prone doesn't exist, but this is two years in a row where it has significantly cuffed his fantasy value. And before the injury, the one thing Kyler Murray was not doing was running the football. And that is, as we know, what sets apart the number ones from the tens to fifteens. We know this. It has become factual. He was being outrushed by Sam Darnold. This is my favorite stat. <laughs> He's being outrushed by Sam Darnold until both of them got hurt in what I think was the same week. That is giant red flag territory for me with Kyler Murray because he still got hurt. The expectation was number one. And the reality is still top five or six in points per game, but it feels way different and way more gross. Kyler Murray, what do you see moving forward? What was the expectation as to what your reality is now? Man, it's it's weird for Kyler because he's looked better as a passer this year. I mean, he's performed better as a passer this year than he did ever before. But you mentioned the rushing is the special sauce that gets you all the way up to that QB1 overall type of status. And it's a concern with Kyler, the injuries. It's not, you know, I don't like to do the injury prone thing, but yeah, for quarterbacks who rely on rushing to reach that ceiling, it's very legitimate where that has to be a risk. If you get injured and you're not running as much anymore, like, and that really, then you just have to be a passer. It also affects your passing because if defenses don't respect you as a rusher, right? A lot of what helps guys like Kyler and Hertz and Lamar, these rushing passers be more, be more effective as a passer is when you're out there, when you're a threat with your legs, the defense has to play you 11 on 11. You know, when you look at uh, stats on wide receivers, how often they're left in single coverage, consistently teams with rushing quarterbacks lead the league in single coverage rates uh, on, for their wide receivers because you have, to, you have to have linebackers, you have to have safeties diverting attention away from cover help to playing spy playing spy on the quarterback, right? Uh, you have to be able to contain the quarterback. It affects how you play defense. And so essentially you make your life easier as a passer because you take a defender out of play because you have to deal with you as a rusher and it opens mm -hmm. up all sorts of opportunities for you as a passer and you end up with more free running receivers, right? You, we saw this with Kyler last year. He got hurt. Defense has realized, okay, he's not actually running anymore, right? We're not really playing against Kyler Murray anymore. We're just playing against whoever Kyler Murray strictly the passer is. And life got a lot harder for him. And so all of a sudden you're, you're becoming less efficient as a passer. You're not running as much. And it becomes, you know, quite a damaging trickle down for your fantasy production. Uh, I definitely think this is something to think of when people were having this conversation of putting a Kyler Murray above a Patrick Mahomes, above a Josh Allen in Dynasty prior to the season. Why, why, why I resisted this is just, you know, Patrick Mahomes does not rely on his rushing right to, to get there it's a bonus he rushes sometimes it's nice when it happens yeah even when he scores allen, on the ground he's usually the number one right like even josh allen is really just a goal line rusher like he doesn't really scramble all that much he doesn't have that many design rushes in the middle of the field right it's nothing like a lamar you know and, and lamar we'll see man he's his own beast he seems to never get hurt i, I don't know maybe he's just a terminator uh i'm unsure but it's definitely you know a different situation i think for those guys where if the rushing weapon is taken out of their arsenal um things don't get quite as pretty and i just have never understood why kyler was put more in the josh allen mahomes camp 
than the Lamar camp. Uh, you know, all the stats say that Lamar and Kyler, you know, different different areas of the field where they where they excel, but are probably more similar as a passer. If anything, I, I think Lamar, frankly, is a better passer. But that does not ever seem to be the perception where they think, you know, Lamar is very reliant on his rushing. He is reliant on his rushing to be a fantasy QB one. Absolutely. He would not be the quarterback one without it, but neither is Kyler Murray. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, it's, it's troubling if, if you, if you're looking at Kyler Murray as the number one guy, I don't think that's justifiable. I agree. Do you know, Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson have the same amount of 300 and 400 yard passing games on the year. One each. I believe it. Yeah. Like that's, that's crazy. But this is what I, this is why, my expectations was for him to be a top three quarterback in the end of the year. He might have that chance, but he's missing so much time. I don't think it's going to be possible. Five attempts, five attempts, seven, six, seven, seven, six, and six. It's consistent, but the yardage, 20, 31, 19, 39, one, six, 10, 21. He scored a rushing touchdown in every game the first three weeks of the season, and he hasn't since. Uh, his guys design rush have? rate is way down. If you look specifically his rate of design rushes versus scrambles, he's scrambling at about the same rate he always has, but they're just not calling design runs, which by the way is fine, right? Like, yeah, they, what are they? They have, they had what one loss coming up to this week. They had one loss while Kyra's healthy, right? Like if you're competing for a Super Bowl, why, why would you put your quarterback in harm's way? Right. I mean, now and they're currently that's without the important thing. It's the smart thing to do. Right. If you can if you can get by with Edmonds and Connor running the ball at the goal line and not plunging your very, very small quarterback into very angry and large and physically <laughs> harmful defenders, right? Like that's the yeah. smart thing to do. It doesn't help for fantasy. But if I was running the Arizona Cardinals, I, I'm not putting Kyler Mar Kyler Murray constantly in harm's way. It's irresponsible management. Baltimore doesn't have yeah, a choice. I All the running backs suck. Yeah, oh my god, I know. But here here's the thing. Like you just said, like Josh Allen's not really a runner outside of the red zone, but nine attempts, five, four, six, eleven, nine, eight, and five, and the yardage 44, 35, 9, 41, 59, 26, 55, 50, right? With the same amount of rushing touchdowns. He's providing you more rushing upside and he's throwing the ball. I agree that Josh Allen and the Patrick Mahomes should be viewed higher, but even look at Jalen Hurts' first year as a starter. Like, it is insane, the difference. I don't think that Kyler Murray that we saw a couple years ago is gone, or even just last year. I don't think it's gone, but I think that the Cardinals have recognized that their 5'10", 210-ish pound quarterback is right. not built that same way, and they can win with him just throwing is, the ball. He's not built like a Josh Allen, right? Like, Allen is a freaking linebacker yeah. up there. I know. Right? It's like, disgusting how how big he is. But just a couple of things to take a look at. So when you look at your expectation, and the reason we did this little exercise is, one, because it's getting harder and harder to create uh, themes each week, but I'm doing my best. Uh, getting to week 11 at the point in this season. So still trying to do different stuff here. Otherwise, we would just do mock drafts for like nine straight weeks. Um, but we want you guys to keep downloading. So keep doing that, please. Um, look, we all have expectations going into the season, but it's always crucial for you to a not overreact like trading a bunch of stuff for Ramondre Stevenson without seeing what the workload would be with Damian Harris coming off of a concussion would be. So there's that. Um, don't overreact, right? You have an expectations. Look at the reality, but look at how you got there and apply that moving forward. I think that pretty that's that's a pretty clear sum of uh, of the exercise, in my opinion. 
um jacob we have a guest next week we haven't had a guest in a little while i actually think our last guest was oh my god i can't remember if it was the pod father or or tyler i can't remember who our last guest was but it's been a minute it's been a, it's while, been a hot minute a yeah so let the people know who the big guest is that's coming on next week to join you and i Yes, we're going to have a little late night show for you next week because we're bringing over a fellow Pacific timer, a West Coaster, and one with a nine to five job. So we'll be coming to you live 7.30 Central Time, 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern with one of my favorite analysts in the space. I'm in his Discord as an analyst helping out uh, with the patrons over there, uh, a fellow spreadsheet grinder, uh, a accountant, a man off Vancouver Island, uh, Drew Ozenchuk, the DF bean counter, the bulletproof bean counter is going to join us. Uh, we're going to talk through everything dynasty. What well, I'm sure we're certainly going to talk through the dynasty trade deadlines, which are all happening yes. right now or next week, you know, leading up to the dynasty playoffs, how are we handling that and, and all sorts of things that have gone on this year uh, with him. So always one of my favorite folks to talk to. I, I had him on uh, the Wednesday night, fantasy intervention show back when we were dynasty intervention back in the spring and had a blast and definitely excited to touch base again with drew we'll have a lot of fun on that one next week like i said a reminder a little bit of a later time uh coming to you 7 30 central time next friday yeah it's gonna be slick i i can't wait to start putting that one together i think i could have got gonna give them the full full tilt dynasty podcast experience and get some stuff cut up and we're gonna do it the way that we do the way that we do it best Look, last week we all forgot to make our picks on the show because yeah. we just plowed through that show. We had so much on it. It was such a good time that we forgot. And Billy being so busy, he's usually the one that takes care of it. I don't <laughs> know who won last week, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't me because I have one win on this <laughs> entire thing. So if you're new to the whole gimmick, uh, let me update you on how it goes. We all pick different players. We pick a quarterback outside of the top 15, a running back out of the top 18, or that, but reverse. I can't remember off the top of my head. A wide receiver out of the top 24 and a tight end out of the top eight. We tally up the points, see who wins at the end of the week. And then, of course, at the end of the year, uh, bragging rights, which, uh, you know, we might do a little something from Trophy Smack, seeing as how if you use promo code TIPPLE, at trophysmack.com and you go buy yourself a nice trophy or a customized championship belt. If you drop a championship ring into the cart, use promo code tipple. You get that ring at $60 value for free. So we might be doing a little something, something from trophy smack for the, the uh, full tilt dynasty podcast points week to week game at the end of the year, even though I know that I have zero chance of winning this thing. Uh, I would still do that for you guys because <laughs> I'm a leader for the people. Love it. Uh, but with Billy not being here and doing all this smart stuff, I'm just going to run down his picks yeah, this week uh, uh, for the positions. And I think he's going to crush it because, again, he usually does these first. Jacob and I usually scramble to do these as we go on <laughs> air because we always forget. But uh, Billy has Fields against Baltimore. He has Gibson. He has Bateman. And he's going with Conklin. Uh, for his picks this week. That's a good lineup. I think I'm into mm -hmm. that. Uh, Jacob, who do you have this week with a little bit of a why? Yeah, man. I First off, quarterback, I got Daniel Jones. Uh, 
going up against Tampa Buccaneers. Tampa Buccaneers front got a little bit less fearsome with Vita Vea ruled out for this game. And we know that their secondary has major issues. If they're not able to generate a pass rush, I think they're susceptible down the field. Jones looks like he's getting all of his weapons back this week. It looks like a healthy Shepard, healthy Tony, healthy Galladay, healthy Barkley. Uh, I think it's the best version of the Giants offense we're going to have seen all year long. And I'm excited to see what Daniel Jones does potentially in a comeback mode situation against a rather, a rather suspect defense uh, on Monday Night Football. I, I think he has an opportunity to be a really high-end quarterback. Running back sucks this week outside the top 24. <laughs> like there are I just know. not a lot of good options. So like there's because there's nobody that I'm really confident in from a touches perspective, uh, I'm just going to scroll down and I see that there's a game with a 56 over under. And, you know, there's going to be seven or eight touchdowns scored. And so why not just take a shot at a, at a good player in a crazy game uh, if I'm going to go with someone? So I, I also get to choose one of my favorite players. So I'm, I'm going to take Tony Pollard in this spot. Um, Zeke Elliott, I wrote him up in my DFS column. He's going to be one of my core plays this week. But similar reasons, you know, Kansas City gives up a lot of explosive plays on the ground, not just through the air. I expect Dallas to try and control the clock in this game with Zeke and with Pollard. I could easily see a scenario where, you know, they get 20 plus carries for Zeke, 10 plus carries for Pollard. And, you know, if he breaks one, gets me a touchdown, that gets me everything I need out of this week uh, from the running back slot. I will take my shot there. Going on to wide receiver. If Kyler Murray can play, I love this even more. But even if not, Christian Kirk has put up really strong target shares with Colt McCoy over the last two weeks. Now he gets a pretty terrible secondary in Seattle, uh, a game where I'm expecting him to have to work from behind uh, against Russell Wilson, who I expect to have a bounce back week this week. Give me Christian have Kirk. To. And then lastly, I will take Cole Komet as my tight end. No Allen Robinson this week. That basically just means it's Mooney and Komet in this game against Baltimore. Uh after that, I mean, Bears' pass-catching weapons are disgusting. It's Demir Bird, Marquise Goodwin. <laughs> uh, I don't even, I don't even know all these guys. So I don't know uh, anyone I feel else. Strongly that we're going to see about sixty percent of the targets going towards Mooney and Komet. I, I considered Mooney actually as my wide receiver pick, but I'll take Komet here, who's really come on strong of late. Had that great game before the bye against Pittsburgh uh, as my pick here against Baltimore. Tom, give me your four. Look, man, I'm going to keep it pretty straightforward, and I, I can't believe I'm going back to this well for how hard I took a giant <laughs> dump on Baker Mayfield oh on the God. newly minted midweek tilt, which has gotten <laughs> uh, rave reviews in the DMs. The downloads, unbelievable fire. It will be back recording. It should be out later Wednesday evening. Myself and John Arrington of the Monocle Dynasty podcast, somebody who I have never disagreed with more on their process in my life. <laughs> but at the same time, we both learn a little something from one another. We disagree and it's made for a good time. So next week, we're going to be right back with that. With that being awesome. said, I'm playing Baker against the Lions. Oh my and God. it's because Baker Mayfield against bad teams seems to hype everyone up. And we've seen <laughs> the Baker wheel, right? Play like shit, get criticized by media, you know, make some sort of quote, beats an inferior team, sucks the next week and repeat process. We've all seen that. I believe that that will ring true this week. Uh, I think Nick Chubb will kind of go bananas, but I think Baker will do enough uh, to, to go get ahead of Daniel Jones and Fields. And Can all I just I'm trying say, to do by is the just... way, I was so scared that we were going to miss the one opportunity Nick Chubb had his entire career to play the Lions. Like, I, I was going to be inconsolable. 
we miss that. Because like, <laughs> the they only get to play them the one in every four bad, years. Aren't they're not the worst? I know they're not the worst at um, stopping the run, but uh, Chubb's a different animal. So we'll see. I, I, I don't think Chubb's gonna have too many issues with them. <laughs> I think he'll figure it out. No, I agree, but yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. And then for me, my running back. Look, I mentioned it earlier. I'm calling my shot, the shot of shots. Donta Foreman is my running back this week. I went way down the list. No Fs given. Uh, he's going to score this week, God damn it. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to do it. I believe in him. It won't be Peterson on the one, and even if it is, Foreman will put it in from 20. Revenge game narrative, a 1,000%. My wide receiver is Gallup this week. No uh, Amari you- Cooper. Oh, now unfair. Schultz, Schultz, Zeke. And Pollard could all get big bumps and targets, but Gallup came back and just slapped around DBs like he hadn't missed a game. So big shout out there, Gallup. Gonna lead the week. way, yeah, and likely gonna be he didn't, he didn't one of the highest owned the one. He would have a touchdown. Exactly, gonna be easily <laughs> one of the highest owned wide receivers in DFS. Oh my we'll god, more about that next week. And at tight end, I'm going with the man that single handedly ruined Sam Darnold in Carolina. The minute he was shipped out of Carolina, Sam Darnold's career started to take a tumble. They took <laughs> away the best player on that offense. It's true, it's Dan Arnold at tight end. The guy has been playing at a top 10 level. Uh, he's still being underappreciated in the fantasy pros rankings. And I think that that is going to help me this week. I'm going to get my second win of the year. It's not going to be robbed from me. Uh, Baker, Foreman, Gallup, and Arnold are going to bring it home. I've never rooted so hard for you in my life than I've rooted for Foreman. If people miss the beginning of the show, <laughs> I, I have I have now worked myself up to 17 shares of Dante Foreman. And... If you think I have the luxury of sitting more than a couple of those, you are sorely mistaken. So there, those those, yeah. those 17 shares are entering the lineup, and I'm hoping for 100 to tutty this week. That's for sure. If it happens, like I can't, I can't stress enough how in 2019 I believe so hard. I kept Dante Foreman really on my championship winning 2019 small benches for Dynasty. He made it all the way into like week fourteen on that roster because I thought he was going to come back, and then he was he came back for me in twenty twenty when he played a little bit, and then I cut him again, and then I brought him back. I brought him back a couple of weeks before everyone else is ready to, and now everyone else is catching on. Matt Kelly made a TikTok about Foreman. I just it makes me so happy that it's finally going to happen, and it's going to be this week because my heart can't take anymore. Stop killing me, fantasy football. I want to see 35. Jacob, you put out your Pareto Principle article today like you normally do for DFS. What do people have to look forward to on Saturday? And, uh, you know, let them know what's up before we go. Yeah, man, it's going to be the last. No free squares for a while. Like I said, I'm still going to be on this show next week. I'm going to do at least one more on the Wednesday show, but it'll be a three week pause on no free squares as I get through exam season. So make sure to tune in for the last edition tomorrow. I will answer any and all evergreen DFS questions. And of course, break down the entire week 11 slate uh, at uh, tomorrow at three Pacific five central six Eastern. And then make sure to check out my Proto principles article for week 11 uh, for the week 11 DFS slate. We talked all about, 
what the heck we're going to do on a slate where half the games totally suck. <laughs> um, how are we going to stare down the face of guys that I love that are going to be super popular and Michael Gallup and AJ Dillon, yep. how are we going to deal with that? Uh, and, you know, my favorite play on the entire slate this week is George Kittle. Find out why I'm so into Kittle this week uh, in the week 11 Pareto principles. Uh, and then, of course, find me on Twitter, FF underscore RTDB. Yeah, man, uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm not looking forward to being gone on the shows for a couple of weeks. I don't know what I'm going to do without you. My life is always not oh, yeah. totally I'm the go, same. I'm not going to die. I'm still on the Slack. I'm still on the Twitter. <laughs> Look, uh, for myself, it's, it's always the same. You know, Tuesdays, fancy walkabout. We're going to go Wednesday nights with John Arrington. Those aren't live, but those are recorded. They'll be out Friday, the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast. Sunday morning, I do the start and sit. Do not miss this week as Chase Vernon must eat the bomb hot wings to kick off the show for actually thinking Carson Wentz was going to outscore Jalen Hurts last week. Uh, can't believe he made that bet, but I won it. I'm going to rub it in as much as possible. So watch him struggle. Well, to just get don't rub it in his eyes. Show that, that, you rub his, hot sauce in your eyes. You're going to open them again. It's not just hot sauce. It's the bomb hot sauce from Hot oh Ones. It is not just a regular. It is like a million skulls. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah. And My fantastic. Sunday morning is like Sunday morning is always the busiest because I always have a gajillion DFS lineups to set. I'm running through. So I never watch anything, but I, I'm going to tune in this week, at least for, <laughs> for that portion of the show so that I can watch Chase uh, eat the bomb. I'm hoping he's doing it early. So he has to struggle through the whole thing. He might cop out yeah. and do it just as we're leaving, but I'm going to hound him until he does it live on air. And then of course, every <laughs> oh. other Sunday you can find me, uh, at the Dynasty Happy Hour, wow, Dynasty Happy Hour podcast now we're chasing points. So lots of stuff for me going on. The one thing I want to say before we get out of here, I always pre- preach peace, love, and positivity and all that, the best part of life uh, when we do this show. Right now in Canada, there is a brutal flood hitting Jeez. British Columbia. It is brutal. Highways have cut off access to food supplies, to everything you can think of. And I haven't found it yet or how we want to do this, but in the coming days, I will be either putting together a collection situation for donations. If you don't know where to donate or how to donate, but can, uh, we'll be making a giant donation to the, the BC government to help with this. There's also some individual organizations that I'll be tweeting links out to, um, it doesn't do any good to send blankets and, and things like that. Cause they literally can't get to them like yeah. if you send them blankets you're going to get sent back because you can't get it so financially is the best way you can help right now um and and i and i urge you to do so because if you're not canadian i mean it, it still helps if you are canadian you know our own our own guys and gals need our yeah. need our help it's it's getting pretty bleak over yeah, there I, I appreciate you saying that man i'm i'm out here in bc i'm i'm in vancouver so i'm fine i, I appreciate people have seen what's going on in the province and have checked in uh y'all are absolute gems but we're fine here in vancouver uh yeah outside in, in rural bc on the island little north vancouver it's it's a mess everywhere right now uh with flooding with mudslides with sinkholes with transportation being shut down people are being uh evacuated off of their rooftops from helicopters i mean it's really really crazy what's what's going on uh and certainly as we get this organized uh i'm definitely going to publicize and help out as much as i can in, in raising uh whatever we can a lot of people really really suffering right now and so in, anything that people can do to help out uh will be greatly greatly appreciated 
you know, we're always a fantastic community. We always pull through with each other and, and that's what I love about being here so much. So thank, thanks for that, Tom. Yeah, man. I, I just seen it and it's, it's really crushing. I, I mean, I live in Manitoba and we don't have mudslides. We don't have yeah. tornadoes. We don't have earthquakes because the, the only thing that kills us is the wind hurting our face. Cause it gets so cold, but I mean, <laughs> we, we, we take it for granted sometimes with, with what happens. So yeah. we're going to put that together and we're going to do that. But like I always preach on this program, be good people, especially in times of, of, back and forth negativity real world news coming in and and really taking its toll on everybody it really starts to pile up mm-hmm. if you need help get it if you're not feeling yourself seek out the help uh, i can't stress this enough check in on the people that love you stay tuned for the the shows in the next coming week or so we're always excited to be around with you guys we're growing constantly with four or five shows now on the network the Dynasty Vipers, big shout out there. Everyone coming together and making it work. Peace, love, positivity, good vibes all the time. Always remember that clear eyes, full hearts can't lose and that your best days are always spent tilting. Good night, everybody. Truly. Ciao. I'm nice right now, man. I, I feel good. If you have a drink, would you please put it in the air?